Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be covering chapter 26 of the teachings of the doctrine of eternal lives. The title of the chapter is The Gods. David, king of Israel, stated in Psalms chapter 82 verse 1, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. In Psalms 82 verses 5 through 6, it says, They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All of the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. In the Apostle of John, John chapter 10, verse 34 through 36, it states, And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest because I said, I am the Son of God? John chapter 10 verses 34 through 36. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verse 58, it says, Wherefore it is written, They are gods, even the sons of God. Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verses 20 and 37, it states, Then shall they be gods, because they have no end. Therefore shall they, shall they be from everlasting to everlasting, because they continue, then shall they be above all, because all things are subject unto them, then shall they be gods, because they have all power, and the angels are subject unto them, and because they did none other thing than that which they were commanded, They have entered into their exaltation according to the promises and sit upon thrones and are not angels but are gods. D&C 132 verses 30, well, verse 20 and 37. In the Doctrine and Covenants verses 93 verse 35, it states, The elements are the tabernacles of God. Yea, man is the tabernacle of God. Hiram Smith stated, There is a whole train and lineage of gods, perfection and progression to complementary ways to talk about God by Eugene England, BYU Studies, Volume 29, Number 3, Summer of 1989, verse 33. The original in Julab's Nauvoo Journal, edited by Eugene England, BYU Studies 18, winter of 1978. 
page 176. John Taylor stated, What is man? He is an immortal being. He is a part of the deity. He is the son of God, and God is his father, and he has come here to work out his salvation and accomplish the thing he came into existence for. We have come here to build up the kingdom of God, to establish correct principles and teach the world righteousness and to make millions of human fa- of the human family happy, even all who will listen to the principles of eternal truth. We are here to introduce correct doctrine, to introduce correct morals, to introduce correct philosophy, to introduce correct government, and to teach men how to live and how to die, how to be happy in this world and in the world which is to come, and how to lay the foundation for eternal lives in the eternal worlds. What is man? A God, even the Son of God, possessing noble aspirations, holy feelings that may be governed by virtuous principles, possessing elevated ideas, wishing to realize everything that God has destined to submit to all his laws, to endure every kind of privation and affliction and suffering as seeing him that is invisible looking for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Feeling to live on for that purpose and that alone, this is what man is. If he lives in the region of heaven and performs faithfully those things God has appointed him to do, that he may increase from intelligence to intelligence and go on with that eternal progression, not only in this world, but in worlds without end. Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, Page 5. Erastus Snow stated, If we study physiology or anatomy, we are led to exclaim with the psalmist of old, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and see a beautiful harmony in all the parts and a most exquisite design. This is proven by the examination of the various parts of the human form, and every organ adapted to its special use and for its special purpose, and combining a whole, a grand union, a little kingdom composed of many kingdoms, united and constituted in the grand whole, the being we call man, but which in the language of these scriptures was called Adam, male and female created he them, and called their name Adam, which in the original is which these scriptures were written by Moses 
and it signifies the first man. There was no effort at distinguishing between the one half and the other and calling one man and the other woman. This was an after distinction, but the explanation of it is one man being one being and he called their name their name Adam but he created them male and female for they were one and he says not unto the woman multiply and re- and to the man multiply but he says unto them multiply and reproduce your species species and replenish the earth He speaks unto them as belonging together, as constituting one being, and as an organized in his image after his likeness. The Apostle Paul, trading upon this subject in the same way, says that man was created in the likeness of God after the express image of his person. John the Apostle, in writing the history of Jesus, speaks in the same way that Jesus was in the likeness of his Father and the express image of his person. And if the revelations that God has made of himself to man agree and harmonize upon this theory, and if mankind would be more believing and accept the simple, plain, clear definition of deity and description of himself which he has given us, instead of hunting for some great mystery and seeking to find out God where he is not, and as he is not, we all might understand him. There is no great mystery about it, no more mystery about it, than there is about ourselves and our own relationship to the father and the mother and the relationship of our own children to us. That which we see before our eyes in which we are experiencing from time to time, day to day and year to year to year is an exemplification of deity. What says one, do you mean We should understand that deity consists of man and woman? Most certainly I do. If I believe anything that God has ever said about himself and anything pertaining to the creation and organization of man upon the earth, I must believe that deity consists of man and women. Now, this is simplifying it down to our understanding and the great Christian world will be ready to open their mouths and cry blasphemy, sacrilege, open wide their eyes and the wide their mouths in the most utter astonishment. What? God, a man and a woman? Then these Christians, they say he has no form, neither body, parts, nor passions. One party says he is a man, and the other says he is a woman. I say he is both. How do you know? I only repeat what I say, what he says of himself, that he creates man in the image of God, male and female created he them, and he called their name Adam, 
which signifies in Hebrew the first man. So that the beginning so that the beginning we are called Adam and Eve were the first man placed on this earth. And their name was Adam, and there were the express and they were the express image of God. Now if anybody is disposed to say that woman is in the likeness of God and that man is not, and if vice versa, I say to you they are both wrong, or else God has not told us the truth. I sometimes illustrate this matter by taking up a pair of shears. If I have one, but then you all know they are composed of two halves, but they are necessarily parts one of another, and to perform their work for each other as designed, they belong together. And neither one of them is fit for the accomplishment of their work alone. And for the, this reason, says St. Paul, the man is not without the woman, nor the woman without the man in the Lord. Or in other words, there can be no God except he is composed of the man and woman united, and there is not in all of the, the, the eternities that exist, nor ever will be, a God in any other way. I have another description. There never was a God, and there never will be in all eternity, except they are made of these two components, parts, a man and a woman, a male and the female. As I said, man was created male and female, and two principles are blended in one. And the man is not without the woman, nor is the woman without the man and the Lord. And there is no Lord... There is no God in which these two principles are not blended, nor can be. And we may never hope to attain unto eternal power and the Godhood upon any other principle. Journal of Discourses, Volume 19, pages 268 through 272. The next part of the chapter is a subheading of godliness. Doctrine and Covenants, section 19, verse 10. For behold the mystery of godliness, how great it is. In the history of the church, it states, by Joseph Smith, There are but a very few beings in the world who understand rightly the character of God. The great majority of mankind do not comprehend anything, either that which is past or that which is to come, as it respects their relationship to God. They do not know, neither do they understand the nature of that relationship, and consequently they know but little above the brute beast or more than to eat, drink, and sleep. This is all man knows about God or his existence, unless it is given by the inspiration of the Almighty. If a man learns nothing more than to eat, drink, and sleep, and does not comprehend any of the designs of God, the beast comprehends the same. It eats, drinks, and sleeps, and knows nothing about God, yet it knows as much as we do, unless we are able 
to comprehend by the inspiration of the Almighty God. If men do not comprehend the character of God, they do not comprehend themselves. And I want to go back to the, to the beginning and so lift your minds into more lofty spheres and a more exalted understanding than the human mind generally aspires to. History of the Church, Volume 6, page 303. And this can also be found in the Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 343. Lorenzo Snow stated, Godliness cannot be conferred, it must be acquired. Biography, Family Record of Lorenzo Snow, page 193. The Godhead, the Head God and Godhead. Joseph Smith. According to that which was ordained in the midst of the council of the eternal God of all other gods, so the great um, God the eternal, before this world was, that should be reserved unto the finishing and the end thereof, when every man shall enter into his eternal presence and into his immortal rest. Doctrine and Covenants, section 121, verse 32. Thus the God, the head God, brought forth the gods in the Grand Council, and the head God called together the gods and sat in Grand Council to come forth, to bring forth the world. Come ye here, learned man, and read if you can. I should not have introduced this testimony were it not for the word Rosh, which is a Hebrew word which means the head, the father of the gods, or in other words, God the eternal. I should not have brought it up only to show that I am right. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 348 through 349. Bereshit bero Elohim at Ashamayim via Orat, rendered by the King James translator, that's Hebrew, and that's what it means. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, real quick, the word create in Hebrew means to organize ex- existing matter, it does not mean to create out of nothing. Just throwing that out there so you have a deeper understanding of what's being said here. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I want to analyze the word Bereshit, Rosh. The head, Sheet, a grammatical termination. The Ba'ath was not originally put there when the inspired man wrote it, but it has been since added by an old Jew. Baru signifies to bring forth. Elohim is from the word Eloi, which means God. Uh, it actually means mighty ones, but whatever. In the singular num- number. And by adding the Hem, it renders it gods. It read first. Genesis read first. In the beginning... The head of the gods brought forth the gods, or the head of the Elohim brought forth the 
Elohim, or as others have translated it, the head of the gods called the gods together. I want to show a little learning as well as other fools. The head god organized the heavens and the earth. I defy all the world to refute me. In the beginning, the head of the gods organized the heaven and the earth. Now the learned priests and people rage, and the heathen imagine a vain thing. (laughs) That's uh, referring to Psalms chapter 2. If we pursue the Hebrew text further, it reads, Bereshit baro Elohimat Ashaim Veu Aratz. The head one of the gods said, Let us make a man in our own image. I once asked a learned Jew if the Hebrew language compels us to render all words ending in him in the plural. Why not render the first Elohim plural? He replied, that is a rule with few exceptions, but in this case it would ruin the Bible. He acknowledged I was right. I come here to investigate these things precisely as I believe them. Hear and judge for yourselves, and if you go away satisfied, well and good. In the beginning of the Bible, or in Bereshit, which is Genesis in English, I'm, I'm adding that from my own knowledge. In the beginning, the Bible shows that there is a plurality of gods beyond the power of refutation. It is a great subject I am dwelling on. The word Elohim ought to be in the plural all the way through, gods. The head of the gods appointed one God for us. And when you take that view of the subject, it sets one free to see all the beauty, holiness, and perfection of the gods. All I want is to get to the simple naked truth and the whole truth. They found fault with Jesus Christ because he said he was the son of God and made himself equal with God. They say of me like they did of the apostles of old, that I must be put down. What did Jesus say? Is it not written in your law, I said ye are gods? And if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God? It was through him that they drank of the spiritual rock. Of course he would take the honor of to himself. Jesus, if they were called gods unto whom the word of God came, why should it be thought blasphemy that I should say that I am the Son of God? And that can be found as written in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 369 through 374. You can also find the references to those scriptures in John chapter 10, verses 34 through 36, and Psalms 82, verse 6. Any person that has seen the heavens opened knows that there is three personages in the heaven holding the keys of power. And that is in the words of the prophet Joseph Smith, or the words of Joseph Smith, page 200, 
and 13. So that just leads me to my own experience in 2013 uh, when God came to me and he said, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And when I asked him who I am, I was taken up in the spirit and I saw a vision of the past of the council in, uh, in heaven concerning this earth. And I saw that there was, there was God the Father and there was God the Redeemer and there was God the Witness. And I was uh, later shown that under the direction of God, who is known as Jehovah our Elohim, is Michael, who is the Father, Yeshua, or Jesus, who is the Redeemer, and myself, who is the Witness. Brigham Young, how has it transpired that that theological truth is thus so widely disseminated? It is because God was once known on the earth among the children of mankind as we know one another. Adam was as conversant with his father who placed him upon this earth as we are conversant with our earthly parents. The father frequently came to visit his son Adam and talk and walk with him, and the children of Adam were more or less acquainted with their grandfather and their children were more or less acquainted with their great-grandfather. Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, page 180, uh, 148. Real quick, before I continue on, if you've listened to this program for any length of time, you know that I teach that Jesus Christ and Jehovah are two separate individuals. Um... I usually lead off with Moses chapter 1, verse 6, where Moses is hearing the words of Jehovah, and Jehovah tells Moses, Thou, Moses, are in the very similitude of mine only begotten son. Well, modern Mormonism believes that Jesus Christ is Jehovah, which is not something that was taught until into the early 1880s after the death of, of Brigham Young who was uh, who died in 1877 but this doctrine began to creep into the church in the 1880s which was not beforehand understood in the same way as the modern Mormon believes it see the modern Mormon believes that Jesus Christ is Jehovah but Ether chapter 3 states that Jesus says to Mohanre Moriankumar, or the brother of Jared, never at any time have I showed myself unto man. Yet, in early Mormon doctrine and teachings, it is taught that Jehovah walked with Adam and his grandchildren. He walked with Enoch face to face. And he appeared unto many others before the flood. And after the flood, he sat down with Abraham and had a meal of meat and dairy as a resurrected being. Yet around the time of the Tower of Babel, uh, 
Mohanre Moriankumar sees the finger of Jesus in Ether chapter 3, and Jesus says, Never at any time have I shown myself unto man. But Jehovah had shown himself many times. This scripture in Ether chapter 3, where Jesus says, I have not shown myself unto man, and the scripture in Moses chapter 1 verse 6, where Jehovah is telling Moses that he is in the very similitude of his only begotten son, leaves modern Mormonism without excuse as to why they believe that Jesus and Jehovah are the same person. If they would get back to the roots and gain revelation for themselves, they might understand the progression of the gods and multiple mortal probations, which is essential for understanding the nature of the Godhead and who the different gods are who are over this earth. When Jehovah says that he is in the very similitude, Moses is in the very similitude of his only begotten son, Jehovah is talking about Michael, who was a redeemer on an older earth and is, is his only begotten son. Jesus is the only begotten son of Michael. Understanding the Adam-God doctrine and the progression of the gods and multiple mortal probations helps you begin to understand the truth as it is. But in the modern Mormon's yearning to become more popular with the world, they have rejected these truths for the ideas that are taught by man mingled with scripture. And in their, their fast pace of becoming friends with the world, they have gone after lies and they've gone away from the restoration which is why Jesus Christ said to Joseph Smith in section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants that he would send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order which implied that it would become out of order and Isaiah in chapter 28 of his revelation states that the drunkards of Ephraim would have the one mighty and strong come among them and he, the one mighty and strong, would teach they who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. But he would teach among the prophets and priests who prophesy lies and the drunkards of Ephraim. And I asked God one time, why are they drunk? And he said, they're drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great. They were supposed to be the bride of Christ and the restored truth and they have gone whoring themselves after other gods and they are in full apostasy. And Jesus said that the one mighty and strong would set the house of God in order, not the church.
anyway, continuing on. Elohim, Yehovah, and Michael were father, son, and grandson. They made this earth, and Michael became Adam. And that is recorded, let's see here, Brigham Young is recorded in the in the Joseph F. Smith Journal, 17 June 19, or 1871 entry, Church Archives. John Taylor. Our Father in Heaven, and who is Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, and the Holy Ghost are one in power, one in dominion, and one in glory, constituting the first presidency of this system and this eternity. And that comes from Mediation and Atonement, page 76. Real quick. It's kind of like the same uh, structure that the church has today, at least as it was restored. And it still bears the same structure. Jesus Christ is over the first presidency of the church, which usually consists of a president and two counselors. Jehovah is our Elohim, and he is over the first presidency, who is Michael, who became Adam, and his two witnesses. It's the same structure. Continuing on, this is Edward Stevenson. Certainly, Elohim and Jehovah stand before Adam, or else I am very much mistaken. Then first, Elohim, second, Jehovah, third, Michael, Adam, fourth, Jesus Christ, our elder brother. In other words, world from whence, in in the other world from whence our spirit come, who is Jehovah, the only begotten son of Elohim, on Jehovah's world. So, and that was Edward Stevenson's diary, February 28th and March 3rd of 1896, Church Archives. The Father. In the book of John, it states, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. John 14, verse 9. See also John 14, 7 through 11. The Apostle Paul stated, For though there be that are called gods, or Elohim, whether in the he- or in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him and the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we are all things, and we by him. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 Verses 5 through 6. Joseph Smith stated, We believe in God the Father, who is the great Jehovah and head of all things, and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, co eternal with the Father. Times and Seasons, chapter, or volume 3, page 578. The great God has a name by which he will be called, which is Amen. The words of Joseph Smith, page 64. And let me just say, 
God the Eternal Father, he is called Adam. Amen. Jesus Christ and Michael and Jehovah, they are all sons of Amen. They are Ben Amen. Um, when Jehovah became an, um, an Adam, he took upon himself the name of Adam Amen to become an Adam for this earth, but his name was Jehovah. When Michael took upon himself the name of Adam, he took upon himself the name of Adam Amen to give glory and honor to God the Eternal, who is Adam Amen. When the new heavens and the new earth are created that John sees in the book of Revelation, a new heaven and a new earth will require a new Adam. And because we have become the the children of Jesus Christ in the spirit through accepting of his atonement, he will become the father of that world and take upon himself the name of Adam, amen, and become the Adam of that world, and another will be chosen to be the Redeemer. Jesus Christ will become an Adam. And in this way, we become his spiritually, through his atonement, and physically, like we become the children of Adam and Eve physically, because they gave birth to the human race. And Jesus at that point will be a full-fledged father to us all. The same as Michael is, the same as Jehovah is. Anyway, continuing on. In the language of Adam, man of holiness is his name. The name of his only begotten is son of man, even Jesus Christ. Moses chapter 6 verse 57. Behold, I am God, man of holiness is my name, man of counsel is my name, and endless and eternal also is my name, is my name also, and that's in Moses chapter 7 verse 35. O thou that seest and knowest the hearts of all men, thou eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omniscient, and omnipresent, Jehovah God, thou Elohim, that sittest as the psalm, sayest the psalmist, enthroned in heaven, look down upon thy servant Joseph at this at this time, and let faith on the name of thy son Jesus Christ, so a greater degree than thy servant ever yet has enjoyed to be conferred upon. And that is a prayer of the prophet Joseph Smith, which is recorded in History of the Church, volume 5, page 127. By the voice of all that is sacred and dear to man, let us plead the justice of our cause. Trusting in the the arm of Jehovah, our Elohim, or the Elohim, who sits enthroned in the heavens, 
that peradventure he may give us the victory. And that is a letter written by Joseph Smith on August 14, 1842, which is recorded in History of the Church, Volume 5, page 94, and is written by Joseph Smith himself. And every one that is that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit cometh unto God, even the Father. And the Father teaches him of the covenant which he has renewed and confirmed upon you. Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 84, verses 47 through 48. And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Eternal Father. Knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And I answered him, saying, Yea, it is the love of God, which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Wherefore it is the most desirable above all things. 1 Nephi chapter 11, verses 14 through 22. This version of scripture is taken from, from the original 1830 edition of the Book of Mormon as found in the Wilford C. Wood edition, volume 1, pages 24 and 25. And now Abinadi said unto them, I would that ye should understand that God himself shall come down among the children of men and shall redeem his people. And because he dwelleth in the flesh, he shall be called the Son of God. And having, subject, and having subjected the flesh to the will of the Father, being the Father and the Son, the Father because he was conceived by the power of God, and the Son because of the flesh, thus becoming the Father and Son. And they are one God, yea, the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth. And thus the flesh becoming subject to the Spirit, or the sons of or the sons are the Son to the Father, being one God, suffereth temptation and yieldeth not to temptation, but suffereth himself to be mocked and scourged and cast out and disowned by his people. Moses chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And I just wanted to reiterate that when Jesus took upon himself the fall and our sins and transgressions, and we partake of the atonement of Jesus Christ, he becomes our father and we become his children. But that doesn't mean that there is not a father above him, which is talked about in Psalms 82 and John 13 and other places. But even when Jesus Christ appeared to Mary after the resurrection, he said, Go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and who could that be but Adam, and unto my God, or my Elohim, and your Elohim, and who could that be? Jehovah. In the first chapter of, Je- of Revelations, it states that Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father.
Who is he speaking of? He is speaking of Father Adam, who is Michael, and of his father, or the father of Michael, who is Jehovah, our Elohim. Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. But Jesus Christ has become our father to those of us who have accepted of his atonement. And this is how there are fathers above and fathers below, and there are fathers many. This is what Psalms 82 is talking about, but it's more broad and more vast and in-depth than we are going to talk about here today, but this is the beginning of knowledge to understand these things. Continuing on, teach them that redemption cometh through Christ the Lord, who is the very eternal Father. Amen. Mosiah 16, verse 15. And see, if you don't have revelation or you don't have a true prophet teaching you these things, you might believe that the Book of Mormon is Trinity or Trinitarian in nature. It is not. But if you come to this book and this record without having um, revelation, what you're going to do is you're going to take the things that you were taught as a little child and you're going to weave them into the text without any understanding. So for Mormons, they are taught that God the Father and Jesus Christ are two individuals who, who work one in purpose, which is a correct idea. But they don't know what to do with these chapters. To the evangelist and the Trinitarian and Presbyterian and and Protestants and Catholics, they'll come to this text and they'll say, oh, the Book of Mormon is Trinitarian because that's what the, the lens that they're coming to this with. They don't understand it through the light of Revelation. See, Scripture requires proper interpretation. For the Scripture is not given for private interpretation. The interpretation belongs to God. And in order to understand the correct interpretation by God, you must go to Him, ask and seek wisdom and get revelation, which means you must become a prophet. Because the only way to get the proper interpretation and confirmation for yourself that this is true is to go to God, seek it from him directly. A prophet can teach the word of God But for you to trust in the prophet is to receive a curse. For all they who trust in the flesh receive a curse. You hear the prophet. You trust that what they're teaching is correct as a child who is believing. And you take it to the father after you have studied it out to the best of your ability. And you seek confirmation of the truth. Get it from the father and then you are built upon the rock of revelation 
which does not fell you. Unless you reject the the witness of the Holy Ghost, which is a, a sad thing for anybody to do. Anyway, continuing on. Behold, I am he who was prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. In me shall all mankind have life and that eternally. Even they who shall believe on my name and they shall become my sons and my daughters. Ether chapter 3, verse 14. See, this is the same scripture I was talking about before. Jesus says, never at any time have I showed myself unto man. But right here it says that Jesus Christ shall become the father to those who believe on his name. See, we all have a common father who is Father Adam. But Jesus Christ becomes our father to those who believe on his name. Thus he is the father and the son. Continuing on, he that will not believe in believe me will not believe the father who sent me. For behold, I am the father and I am the light and life and truth of the world. Ether chapter 4 verse 12. No man knoweth that the Son is the Father, and the Father is the Son, but to whom the Son will reveal it. Joseph Smith translation of, or the inspired translation of Luke chapter 10, verse 22. And now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way nor name given under the heaven under heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. Second Nephi chapter 31, verse 21. Now this restoration shall come to all, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female, both the wicked and the righteous. And even there shall not so much as a hair of their heads be lost, but everything shall be restored to its perfect frame as it is now or in the body and which shall be brought and be arraigned before the bar of Christ the Son and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, which is one eternal God, to be judged according to their works, whether they be good or whether they be evil. Alma chapter 11, verse 44. Behold, I come unto mine own to fulfill all things which I have made unto which I have made known unto the children of men from the foundation of the world and to do the will both of the Father and of the Son, of the Father because of me and of the Son because of my flesh. Third Nephi chapter 1 verse 14. And after this manner shall ye baptize in my name, 
For behold, verily I say unto you, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost are one. And I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. Third Nephi chapter 11, verse 27. Which Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one God, infinite and eternal without end? Amen. Doctrine and Covenants, section 20, verse 28. And that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. And the Father, because he gave me of his fullness, and the Son, because I was in the world and made flesh my tabernacle and dwelt among the sons of men. And the glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt in him. Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verses 3 through 17. Brigham Young, when you can thus feel, then you may begin to think that you can find out something about God and begin to learn who he is. He is our father, the father of our spirits, and was once a man in mortal flesh as we are, and now and is now an exalted being. See, this is what it means by the multiple uh, multiple mortal probations. Our father was once a man in the flesh, and he became an Adam, and is our father in the flesh if you can follow that train of thought. And was once a man in mortal flesh as we are and is now an exalted being, meaning he is an Elohim. How many gods there are, I do not know. And just let me say that they are without the number of man. Man cannot number the number of the gods who have been exalted in the grand time of eternity. Continuing on, but there never was a time when there were not gods and worlds and when men were not passing through the same ordeals that we are now passing through. And that was Brigham Young's limited understanding, not being a prophet, but following the prophet Joseph Smith. See, I don't believe that Brigham Young was uh, the Lord's anointed. And I know that's controversial, but that's my stance. I was shown by, by our father. I was taken up in the spirit and he showed me the beginning of God, the eternal father and mother. And he taught that the intelligences always were, they are eternal that the elements are eternal, that the laws of the universe are eternal, but there was a beginning, which directly contradicts Brigham Young's ideas here. But as a prophet of God, I have been shown these things to teach truth to the world. And I know that many will reject this testimony, but it is a testimony that I give that the eternal nature of the intelligence is true, 
that the eternal nature of the elements are true and the eternal nature of the laws of the universe are true, but there was a beginning, and that is when God the eternal the intelligence of God the eternal became self aware and a spirit was born who was male and a spirit was born who was female and this is the beginning and God the eternal is first both male and female meaning the intelligence is both male and female but when it has self awareness and it is born a spirit it becomes two spirits one who is male and one who is female Continuing on with Brigham Young, that course has been from all eternity and it is and will be to all eternity. You cannot comprehend this, but he was not able to comprehend the truth because he did not see it. He only heard of it from Joseph Smith. But when you can, I will be it it will be to you a matter of great con- consolation. It appears ridiculous to the world under their darkness and erroneous traditions that God has once been a finite being, and yet we are not in such close communion with him as many have supposed. He has passed on and is exalted far beyond what we can now comprehend. I guess he understood that correctly because even myself and all that i've been shown i was shown a vision of the past but i've never seen god the eternal father or god the eternal mother in their current glory and i would not be able to come into their current glory at all in this state of being only the elohim those exalted ones can come into his presence Continuing on, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it been entered into the hearts of man to conceive all the things of God. We are not capacitated to receive them all at once, but God by his spirit reveals to our spirits as we grow and become able to... uh, I'm sorry able and capacitated to comprehend though are through improving upon every means of grace placed within our power until we shall be counted worthy to receive all things all is yours saith the apostle do not become disheartened give up your labors and conclude that you are not to be saved all is yours and if you will but if you will, but believe, but live according to what you know and increase in knowledge and godliness. And if you increase in these, you will also increase in all things pertaining to the earth. And by and by, you will be satisfied that all is the Lord's and that we are all, that we are Christ's and that Christ is God's all centers in the father. Wherefore, let us all be satisfied that he gives to us let us all be satisfied that he gives to us 
as we are capacitated to receive. Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 333 and 334. I believe in one God to us, as is written, and though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but unto us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him, and they were called gods, unto whom the word of God came. I believe in a God who has power to exalt and glorify all who believe in him, and are faithful in serving him to the end of their lives, for this makes them gods, even the sons of God, and this, and in this sense, is a sense also, there are gods many, but to us there is but one God, or one Elohim, that's Jehovah Elohim, and one Lord Jesus Christ, who is God the witness, one Savior who came in the meridian of time to redeem the earth and the children of men from the original sin that was committed by our first parents, and bring to pass the restoration of all things through his death and suffering, open wide to all believers the gates of life and salvation and exaltation to the presence of the Father and the Son to dwell with them forevermore. John Taylor, verses 11, or volume 11, page 122. Actually, I shouldn't have said that. I think that was Brigham Young. Uh, Journal of Discourses, volume 11, page 122. The next quote is by John Taylor, the third president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he wrote in his book, Hence his profound grief, his indescribable anguish, his overpowering torture, all experienced in the submission of the eternal fiat of Jehovah and the requirements of the inexorable law. John Taylor differentiated between Christ and Jehovah in the Meridian and Atonement, page 153. See, John Taylor, even though this false doctrine that Jesus is Jehovah began in the ministry and time period of John Taylor in the 1880s, he was trying to teach the people. Let's let's read it again real quick. Hence his profound grief and his indescribable anguish, his overpowering torture, this is all speaking of Jesus Christ, all experienced in the submission to the eternal fiat of Jehovah. See, Jesus was in submission to Jehovah and the requirements of an exorable law. So Jesus Christ, here John Taylor is saying, Jesus Christ is submitting himself to Jehovah our Elohim. It was really James Talmadge 
the one who wrote Jesus the Christ, who cemented the idea, cemented the idea that Jesus Christ and Jehovah are the same person. Like, he really cemented that false doctrine into the church. But early church leaders did not teach this false doctrine. And the scriptures contradict the current teachings that Jesus Christ and Jehovah are the same person. And Joseph Smith said, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, speaking of the Doctrine and Covenants that he had, you set them down as imposters. James Talmadge was an imposter who proclaimed to be an apostle but was not. And I declare unto you that the leaders that we have followed in our lifetime, everyone out there who's listening, whether you're 110 or whether you're two, all of the leaders that we have followed in our lifetime in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have taught lies. They contradict scripture and they are imposters. They are not prophets, seers, or revelators. They have no fruits of being prophets, seers, or revelators. But because you believe their lives, you have received strong delusion that you all might be damned because you did not love the truth, which is taught in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as a principle. All they who believe the lie... Whatever the lie is, it's a principle that is being taught here. Receive strong delusion because you did not love the truth enough to go to God and get it from God, which is stated in James chapter 1, verse 5. If you lack wisdom, go to God. It doesn't say go to your scriptures. It doesn't say go to your current leaders. It doesn't say go to your prophets or your pretended prophets. It says, go to God. So all they who love the lie because they didn't love the truth enough to go to God, they receive strong delusion that they might be damned. And all damned means is they may not continue in progressing or progression because they believe the lie, they might be damned because they don't love the truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 teaches this principle. And Joseph Smith taught all they who contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you must set them down as imposters. Continuing on, suffice this to say that he bore the sins of the world, and when laboring under the pressure of those intense agonies, He exclaimed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. But it was not possible. It was the decree of God, the fiat of the great Jehovah. And in this, John Taylor differentiated between Jesus and Jehovah. And that's also talked about in Journal of Discourses, volume 24, verse 34. Erastus Snow stated, We believe in God the Father, who is the great Jehovah and head of all things, and that Christ is the Son of God, co-eternal with the Father. Times and Seasons, Volume 3, 
page 578. Now, in the modern times, we have Hugh Nibley, who stated, As a Jew becomes a father in a new world, the fathers then appoint new Jesuses for new worlds, who in turn will become fathers in ad infinum, meaning forever. This is how it's done. And that's Nibley, Temple and Cosmos, page 286. Read from 286 to pages 286 to pages 317. One of the most remarkable of these two Jews, it, it tells us one approaches through the stage, password and mysteries in a process which alone requires, which alone qualifies one to return to the Father. These ordinances cannot be obtained until one first receives baptism. There are three stages to be passed through and at each one a password or name is required. There is a series of bells that are drawn before the great king. When you come to this barrier, you must recite the mystery and give the proper answer. The final stage is to, is to complete uh, the role of an Adam or a Jew, which is in the form of uh, a name. The name is a form of Jehovah. Anyway, that's Hunibli, Temple in the Cosmos, Beyond This Ignorant Present, edited by Don E. Norton, Salt Lake City in Provo, Deseret Book Company, Foundations for Ancient Research in Mormon Studies, uh, 1992, pages 80 and 81. Continuing on, why should the father be jealous of the son, or the son jealous of the father? This is what glory is for, to be shared. The more it is shared, the greater the glory. It is not like something else. Giving out a little of it, and not having as much left. No glory is this. For behold, this is my work in glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Moses chapter 1, verse 39. And real quick, God revealed to me that there's a little bit more to this, that it is the, uh, it is the work in glory of God the eternal, to bring to pass the immortality and the um, the eternal life of man and to fill the universe with his creation. But continuing with the reading, he brings them up and then, then his glory is increased. God increases the more it is spread around. Or, I'm sorry, glory is increased, increases more it is spread around. So this is a different concept. He comes down himself, but he comes as a son. He is the son of God. Again, we don't argue about that Christological question, the equality, etc. In coming down here and following the commandments, he identifies his will with the will of the Father. He does exactly what he is told to do because he is setting the example for us. We must do the same thing. 
it is going to make this very clear here. That's why he comes down here and he is called the Son. And quote, Hugh Nibley, Teachings of the Book of Mormon, Semester 2, Transcript of the Lectures Presented to an Honors Book of Mormon Class at Brigham Young University, 1988 through 1990. Verse 3, The Father, because he was conceived by the power of God, what does that have to do with it? The status of the Father goes back to another order of existence. See, you have to understand the doctrine of eternal lives, which uh, is easily understood by, it's the doctrine of multiple mortal probations. The status of the Father goes back to another order of existence. Obviously, way back there, he, the Son, is conceived by the power of God, a godly power which is not of this earth and has nothing to do with this earth at all. This is a place where men dwell on imperishable flesh, a condition designated as the sun, not second rate, but completely dependent. They are identical species working on different levels. See the progression of the gods. That's what this is talking about here. This is the whole point. We are identical species. We get this in 3 Nephi when the Lord goes and prays. It's the same thing that we have in John chapter 13, uh, from John chapter 13 to John chapter 17, showing exactly how we are identical. If the Father and Son are one, we are one with the Son, thereby we are one with the Father exactly as they are one. One in purpose is what that means. Of course, the Bible says that that over and over again, and people won't believe it. See, they come to their ideas, their interpretation of the Bible through the lens of the false doctrines that they were taught. They believe the lies of the theology of man mingled with scripture and they're damned so they cannot progress beyond those lies. That's why they won't believe it. Continuing on, they say John can't be that naive. This must all this must all be just spirit. So they make John the most ghostly, the most spiritual, the most unreal of all the Gospels. They say John is a great mystery. Anyway, that's the end of that quote by Hugh Nibley, Teachings of the Book of Mormon, Semester 2, and it's the same as what I was talking about before. Anyway, um, they are, continuing on, they are one God, yea, the very eternal father of heaven and earth. And that's a very thrilling statement to make that we are, are in on that, (laughs) that we are in on that. Then the next verse tells us that the flesh is the spirit is to the spirit as the son is to the father. And the father is to the spirit as the son is to the flesh. It's exactly alike. They both belong to a spiritual order of things. The flesh is not against the spirit, but subject to the spirit, we are told. 
When mortals become totally subject to God, they will have passed the test and are ready to go on. You have to be subject. That's the thing. The flesh becomes subject to the spirit or the son to the father being one God and suffereth temptation and yieldeth not to the temptations. This is saying that you belong to the same category. He came the same category as you. He was tempted just as much as you are. You don't have to give in, but we all do because that was the fall. That's where Adam did give in. This is necessary for experience, knowing the good from the evil. And that's another quote from Hugh Nibley. Now we'll talk about the sun. The Apostle John. The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Father likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth himself in all things that himself doeth. John chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he shall do also. John chapter 14, verse 12. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we, but we know that we shall appear, that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath hit this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. 1 John chapter 3 Verses 1 through 3. He that seeth me hath seen the Father. John chapter 14, 9. See also John 14, 7 through 11. The Apostle Paul stated, For in him, speaking of Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 9. Joseph Smith stated, We believe in God the Father, who is the great Jehovah and head of all things, and that Christ is the Son of God, co-eternal with the Father. Times and Seasons, volume 3, page 578. Well, that's interesting. Let me read that again with uh, and keep in context the the idea that Jesus Christ and Jehovah are the same person, or that Jesus Christ and Jehovah are different people. We believe in God the Father, who is the great Jehovah and head of all things, and that Christ is the Son of God, co-eternal with the Father. That's Joseph Smith.
Times and Seasons, Volume 3, 578. Continuing on, in the language of Adam, man of holiness is his name, and the name of his only begotten is the Son of Man, even Jesus Christ. Moses 6, 57. just let you ponder that for a minute. He's basically saying that Jehovah is the Father and that Jesus is the Son. I'm just basically trying to to wiggle a tooth that was never meant to be grown. (laughs) Trying to extract a lie by wiggling it until it, it comes out. And, you know, teeth are hard to pull. False doctrines taught among the saints are hard to pull as well. And that's why I keep wiggling it. Continuing on, and it came to pass that I saw the heavens open, and an angel came down and stood before me, and he said unto me, Nephi, what beholdest thou? And I said unto him, A virgin most beautiful and fair above all other virgins. And he said unto me, Knowest thou the condescension condescension of God? And I said unto him, I know that he loves his children. Nevertheless, I do, do not know the meaning of all things. And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of God after the manner of the flesh. And it came to pass that I beheld that she was carried away in the spirit. And after she had been carried away in the spirit for the space of a time, the angel spoke unto me, saying, Look, and I behold and beheld the virgin again, bearing a child in her arms, And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Eternal Father, knowest thou the meaning of the tree which I saw? And I answered him, saying, Yea, it is the love of God which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Wherefore, it is the most desirable above all things. First Nephi chapter 11, verses 14 through 22. This version of the scriptures is taken from the original 1830 edition of the Book of Mormon is found in the Wilford C. Wood edition, volume 1, pages 24 and 25. And now Abinadi said unto them, I would that ye should understand that that God himself shall come down among the children of men and shall redeem his people. And because he dwelleth in the flesh, he shall be called the Son of God, having subjected the flesh to the will of the Father, being the Father and the Son. The Father, because he was conceived by the power of God, and the Son, because... Of the flesh, thus becoming the Father and the Son. They are one. Yea, our God 
the eternal Father of heaven and of earth, and thus the flesh becoming subject to the Spirit or the Son to the Father, being one God, suffereth the temptation and yieldeth not to the temptation, but suffer himself to be mocked and scourged and cast out and disowned by his people. First, for uh, Moroni, I'm sorry, Mosiah chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And we're getting pretty close to being done here. This is a little bit longer than uh, I thought it was going to be. Oh, man, I got up at 4.30 this morning and started getting ready for doing this recording. By the way, I'm recording this on May 27th, 2023. And uh, I will publish this one as a podcast today. Of course, you're listening to it now, so... Anyway, continuing on, teach them that redemption cometh through Christ the Lord, who is the very eternal Father. Amen. Mosiah 16, verse 15. Teach them that redemption cometh through through Christ the Lord, which is the very eternal Father. Amen. Mosiah chapter 16, verse 15 of the 1830 edition. Behold, I am he who was prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. In me shall all mankind have life, and that eternally, even they who shall believe on my name. And they shall become my sons and daughters. Ether chapter 3 verse 14. See, that's how Jesus Christ becomes our Father. We believe on his name, we accept of his atonement, and we become his children. He that will not believe me, and will not believe the Father who sent me, for behold, I am the Father, and I am the light, and the life, and the truth of the world. Ether chapter 4, verse 12. No man knoweth that the Son is the Father, and the Father is the Son, but him to whom the Son will reveal it. Luke chapter 10, verse 22 of the Inspired Translation, or the Joseph Smith Translation of the Bible. And now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ and the only true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. And that's 2 Nephi chapter 31, verse 21. Now this restoration shall come to all, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female, both the wicked and the righteous, and even there shall not so much as a hair of their heads be lost, but everything shall be restored 
to its perfect frame as it is now or in the body and shall be brought to be arranged before the bar of Christ the Son and God and God the Father and the Holy Spirit which is one eternal God to be judged according to the works whether they be good or whether they be evil and that's in Alma chapter 11 verse 44 Behold, I come unto mine own to fulfill all things which I have made known unto the children of men from the foundation of the world and to do the will both of the Father and of the Son. Of the Father because of me and of the Son because of my flesh. Third Nephi chapter, oops, chapter 1 verse 14. And that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. The Father because of because he gave me of his fullness, and the Son because I was in the Word, and made flesh my tabernacle, and dwelt among the sons of God. And to and the glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt in him. Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verses 4, uh, verses 3 through 4 and 17. Now, Bruce R. McConkie, who was an apostle in the church who died in 1984, said, Learn of him, the man nobody knows. Learn that he was born of Mary in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Learn that he received not of the fullness at first, but he grew from grace to grace, experiencing, feeling, undergoing all of the needed probations of mortality. Bruce R. McConkie, The Messiah, The Mortal Messiah, Volume 1, page 15. Now we'll talk about the Holy Ghost real quick. I'm going to have to give my commentary a bunch here but Joseph Smith um, wrote in Moroni chapter 10 verse 5 because he was the translator of that text and by the power of the Holy Ghost he may know the truth of all things Moroni Moroni chapter 10 verse 5 Joseph also said that the Holy Ghost is now in a state of probation which if he should perform in righteousness he may pass through the same or similar a sa- the same or similar course of things than the Son has. And you can find that in the words of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 245. Now, I'm going to explain some things here. So, there's a lot of fundamentalists out there and a lot of people in the church, not a ton of people in the church, but there are those that believe that this meant that Joseph Smith is saying that the Holy Ghost is yet in a state of mortal probation. But we have to understand that this is the second estate. The first estate was in the pre-existence. The first estate is the first probation. A probation is when you are given a choice between good and evil, and we were given a choice between Jesus Christ and Lucifer. 
So when Joseph Smith stated that the Holy Ghost is now in a state of probation, we should not believe that that was a mortal probation, especially taking into account DNC section 130, but also the lecture at the Grove, which is the last lecture that Joseph Smith gave, where he stated in the Revelation, DNC 130, and at the lecture of the Grove, that the Holy Ghost is, at least at that time, and is, is, is a, a spirit being without a body. Those who believe that Joseph Smith are the is the Holy Ghost, they have to do mental backflips to get around this, to make these things mesh together correctly. All Joseph Smith is stating here is that the Holy Ghost has to come and take a body to do the same or similar things that Jesus Christ has done. He has to walk on the earth as a prophet who is called the witness, the witness of the Father and the Son, and he has to do the same or similar things, which means he teaches the people. God the witness or the Holy Ghost is the Davidic servant. And I think I know a little bit about this because in 2013, God commanded me to kneel down before him and ask him who I am, which explains why the Father and the Son in 1995 said that I would be the last prophet. In the spring of 2003, the Father and the Son appeared to me in the flesh, or I was taken to them And I went into the temple of the Father, and I embraced the Father and the Son in the flesh, thus becoming an eyewitness of the Father and the Son, which not even Joseph Smith was able to do, because he was not the witness. I am. I was chosen to fulfill this role after the rebellion I stood among the ones who were mighty and strong, of which there are a quorum of 12 and a total of 15 for this earth. And I became the witness from the quorum of they who are mighty and strong. I am the witness. But let's continue on here. But the Holy Ghost, or in other words, God the Witness, is yet a spiritual body waiting to take himself a body as the Savior did, or as God did, or the gods before them took bodies. The words of Joseph Smith, page 382. So right here, Joseph Smith is in alignment with DNC section 130 and his lecture at the Grove statement that God the witness or the Holy Ghost is a spirit body. Let's read it again. But the Holy Ghost is yet a spiritual body and waiting to take himself a body as the Savior did. Waiting to take himself a body means that he does not at that time have a body. For those of you who believe that Joseph Smith is God the witness, Joseph Smith stated the Holy Ghost at that time is a spirit body 
waiting, meaning has not yet taken himself a body as a savior dead. Continuing, and you shall receive my spirit, the Holy Ghost, even the comforter, which shall teach you the peaceable things of the kingdom. I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, DNC section 36, verses 2 through uh, 2 and 8. In Moses, it states, and in that day the Holy Ghost fell upon Adam, to bear, which beareth, all, beareth the record of the Father and the Son, saying, I am the only begotten of the Father, Moses chapter 5, verse 9. That's interesting. The Holy Ghost is the only begotten? Well, who is the only, who is he the only begotten of? Jesus Christ is the only begotten of Michael, and and Michael is the only begotten of of Jehovah. The Holy Ghost is will become the only begotten of Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ becomes an Adam of a world. So thus, you could say that that Jehovah wasn't only begotten at one point. Michael wasn't only begotten at one point. Jesus wasn't only begotten at one point, and he is. And they all are. They are only begotten to a specific individual. And the Holy Ghost will become an only begotten to the Father, who is Jesus Christ. Continuing on, God shall give he, give unto you knowledge by his, spirit, his Holy Spirit, yea, by the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost, which has not been revealed since the world since the world was until now. DNC section one twenty one verse twenty six. Vern G. Swanson stated two little-known journal accounts from the Nauvoo period suggest that Joseph Smith may have taken the idea of the anthropomorphic Holy Ghost far, conjuring that the Holy Ghost is a Messiah or Savior in training for another world. Let me just tell you that the majority of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are not able to understand this teaching. Vern G. Swanson was a leader in the church. Let me read it again. Two little-known journal accounts from the Nauvoo period suggest that Joseph Smith may have taken the idea of an anthropomorphic Holy Ghost far, conjecturing that the Holy Ghost is a Messiah. Now, he becomes a Messiah. Who is that? Messiah ben Joseph. Not, Not the King Messiah, but another Messiah. There are two major Messiahs for this world. They are both part of the Godhead. Under the direction of Jehovah, who is our Elohim, we have God the First, who is the Creator, who is Michael who is 
the morning star. He comes in the history, uh, the morning of the history of this earth, and he is God the first. God the Redeemer, who is the second, is the bright and morning star who comes in the meridian of time or the noon of the history of this earth. And he is Messiah ben Judah, the King Messiah. God the Redeemer, even Jesus Christ. At the evening of the history of this earth, you have Messiah ben Joseph. The evening star. Who is the witness of the Father and the Son, who is the third member of the Godhead, who is God the witness come in the flesh. Now, some of you may not understand the office of the evening star. Lucifer held the office of the evening star before he fell in his name and title of Lucifer or Hillel ben Shakar, meaning the bright one, the glorious one, the, the, the one who teaches truth, the witness of the Father, and the, that is Lucifer. Lucifer in Latin means the one who brings forth light and truth. When Lucifer rebelled, he lost his name and his title and he became Hasatan or the chief of the accusers. The opposition of God. And another was chosen from among they who are mighty and strong to take the place and office of God the witness or the evening star. See, Satan wants to cling to those titles that he once had, but he lost in the rebellion. And so there has been a great confusion among the children of men and still is a great confusion among the children of men because they do not understand these things. Continuing with Swanson. The Holy Ghost, um, conjecturing that the Holy Ghost is a Messiah or Savior in training for another world. This is an idea of multiple mortal probations in the progression of the gods. See, God the witness in the new earth that John sees becomes a redeemer of that world. But in this world, he is a witness of the Father and the Son. This notion implies that Jesus Christ was a Holy Ghost for a previous system or generation, which he was. This is what I've been teaching for years and years. Even though this concept seems new to contemporary Latter-day Saints, there are no official doctrines with which it conflicts. It seems possible that Joseph Smith believes that the members of the Godhead eventually experience each position in the divine presidency as God the third, who is, that's the witness, then God the second, that is the redeemer, and finally God the first, who is the creator, 
was an atom to our world. Anyway, that is line line upon line essays on Mormon doctrine, pages 96 and 97. See Joseph Smith quotes regarding the Holy Ghost immediately above. Wow, this is a long, long podcast. Remember, I got up at four this morning and I've been up ever since. I I do this early in the morning because my children make much noise. <laughs> I When everybody is awake, there's a lot of commotion around here. Like they're all playing and having fun. My two-year-old or my three-year-old just woke up and he is laying down on the couch next to me right now. So, anyway, resurrected beings. Doctrine and Covenants, section 129. There are two kinds of beings in heaven, namely angels who are resurrected personages having bodies of flesh and bone. For instance, Jesus said, Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Secondly, the spirits of just men made perfect who are not resurrected but inherit the same glory. When a messenger comes saying he is a message from God, offer him your hand and request him to shake hands with you. And if he be an angel, he will do so. And you will feel his hand. And he will be the spirit of a just man made perfect. He will come in his glory. And for he that is for that is the only way he can appear. Ask him to shake hands and you with you, but he will not um, but he will not move because it is contrary to the order of heaven for a just man made a just man to deceive, but he will still deliver his message, and if it be the devil as an angel of light, when you ask him to shake hands, he will offer you his hand, and you will feel and you will not feel anything. You may therefore detect him. These are the three grand keys, whether you may know whether any administration is from God. DNC section 129, verse 1 through 9. Let me just say real quick. I have a multitude of scoffers. And they want to tell me that I have been deceived by the devil, that I didn't really see the Father and the Son face to face. Because they don't like what I say, and they can't believe it, and they scoff and they mock. Some have even gone so far as to say that the devil has a body, and that's how I felt the flesh of the individual that I was embracing, which is just a lie. It's a lie that they tell themselves. When I embraced the Father and the Son in the flesh, I felt their flesh. If it were a devil, I would not have felt their flesh, for the devils do not have flesh and bone. They try to do mental backflips to reject my witness and reject me as the witness of the Father and the Son. As a prophet and an apostle of the Father himself. 
they cannot say, well, they do, but they shouldn't say that I've been deceived. I'm either, if I was deceived by the father laying his hands on my head, his own physical hands on my head, which did happen, or embracing the father in the flesh, which did happen, then the only way that I could be a deceiver is that, not that I was deceived, but that I am a deceiver. I'm a liar. If that never happened, I'm a liar, right? But Satan couldn't have deceived me when I felt the flesh of the individual who I was embracing because Satan doesn't have a body of flesh and bone. Not that any of those detractors will ever listen to hardly anything I have to say or hear my witness at all. They probably are not listening, but I know that there are those among you out there who are listening who will eventually be deceived by Satan into that conclusion because I've seen it time and time and time again. Which is why there's only a small remnant who redeems the house of Israel and accepts my witness. Which is sad. But continuing, LDS doctrine teaches us that there are three messengers or angels that visited Adam and Eve after they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. Adam testifies the angels in the manner described above to his complete satisfaction. What does that tell us about the messengers who visited Adam? Man is one with God. The Apostle Matthew, I don't know why that quote was in there, but let's just go on. (laughs) Before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king of glory, the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For ye, for I was in hunger, and ye gave me drink, or gave me meat, and I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink, and I was a stranger, and ye took me in naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee at hungered or fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? Then saw we thee a stronger and took him in, or a stranger and took him in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. So real quick. Some people think that we have to go out and and take care of the whole world. But he's saying, if you've done it to the one of the least of of my brethren, you've done it unto me. And I, I, I believe that means that we take care of our own. 
that we don't try to save the world. If they accept the gospel message and they receive the ordinances of baptism and laying on of hands, they become our brethren and we can help take care of them. But I don't believe, as some believe, that we should go and take care of the whole world. Anyway, but that's my that's my thoughts. Then shall he say unto them, unto them on the left hand, Depart ye, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered and hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took not, ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. Matthew chapter 25, verses uh, 32, verse uh, sorry, chapter 25, verses 32 through uh, 45. The Apostle John stated, And I give unto them eternal life, that they may never per- perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which is greater, or which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. And I... My Father, I and my Father are one. (sighs) Continuing on. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to, to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Thou gavest, thou that gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I unto thee, and these things I spake in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And I have given them thy word, and the word hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, neither are even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might also be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may 
that they all that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one I am in I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that's one in purpose, that thou that the world may know that thou hast sent me and thou ha- and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which is which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and that and thee and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, and that the love there wherein thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. And that's John chapter 17, verses 11 through 26. All right, so this is the Apostle Paul. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member's one of another. And that's Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. The Apostle Paul also wrote, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. Continuing on with Paul, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God and ye and are and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Continuing on. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. Continuing, I speak to, I speak as a wise man, judge what I say, which cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is not of the communion of the body of Christ. Or is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 through uh, 17. Continuing, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? And it's talking about the different offices within the church. And if the ear shall be, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where will be the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? And now hath God sent the members of every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now there are many members, yet but one body, or one church. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more that uh, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble and are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part, part which I lacked. That there should be no more schism in the body, meaning there should be no more break-offs within the true church of God. That the members should have the same care for one another, And whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it, or one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now now ye are the body of Christ, and the members in particularly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed, and the heirs according to the promise. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. First, uh, That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge, faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. And I wish that he would have included the full quote because it's talking about the offices within the church, which include prophets and apostles, which are part of the offices of the church until we all come in the unity of the faith. Many Christian denominations out there don't believe in prophets and apostles, and they say that they've been done away with. But Ephesians chapter 4 is saying that there are all, there are prophet, prophets and apostles until all come in the unity of the faith. And if you look around, we as a people are not all in the unity of the faith. Continuing on, Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body, for we are members of the body of, of his flesh and of his bones. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 and 30. In Philippians it says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Continuing on, for both he that sanctifieth and he who is sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to be called brethren. Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 11. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 35, it says, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was crucified for the sins of the world, even as many as will believe on my name, that they may become the sons of God, even one in me, as I am one in the Father, that as the Father is with me, that we may be one. DNC section 35, verse 2. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 38, it says, and let every man esteem him him or esteem his brother as himself and practice virtue and holiness before me and again i say unto you let every man esteem his brother as himself for what man among you having 12 sons is no respecter of them and they serve him obediently and he saith unto the one be thou clothed in robes and sit thou here and to the other be thou clothed in rags, and sit thou there, and looketh upon his sons, and saith, I am, ju- I am just. Behold this I have given unto you as a, pr- a parable, and is it even that I am, I say unto you, be one, and if ye're not one, ye're not mine. DNC section 38 verses 24 through 27. DNC section 50 states, And the Father and I are one. I am in the Father and the Father in me. And insomuch as ye have received me, ye are in me and I in you. DNC section 50 verse uh, 43. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, as I said unto my disciples, there are two or three, where two or three are gathered together in my name, as touching one thing, behold, there will I be in the midst of them. Even so, I am in the midst of you. DNC section 6. Sorry, DNC section 6, verse 32. Wherefore, all things are theirs, whether life or death, or things present or things to come. All are theirs, and they are Christ's, and Christ's is God's. DNC 76, verse 59. Which glory is that of the church of the firstborn, even God, the holiest of all, through Jesus Christ his Son, He that ascendeth up on high, as also the as also he descended below all things, in that he comprehendeth all things, that he might be in all and through all things the light of truth, which truth shineth. This is the light of Christ as also he is in the sun and the light of the sun and the power thereof by which it was made, as also he is in the moon and in the light of the moon or the power thereof by which it was made, and also the light of the stars and the power thereof by which they were made, and the power of the earth also by the power thereof even the earth upon which you stand and the light which shineth which giveth you light is through him who enlightens your eyes which is the same light that quickeneth your understanding doctrine and covenant section 88 verses 5 through 11 Doctrine and Covenants section 93, verse 23, it says, Ye were also in the beginning with the Father, that which is spirit, even the spirit of truth. DNC section 93, verse 23. DNC section 93 states, The elements are the tabernacle of God, yea, man is the tabernacle of God, even temples, and whatsoever temple ye is defiled. God shall destroy that temple. DNC section 93, verse 35. In Moses chapter 7, it states, And the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no poor among them. Moses chapter 7, verse 18. See, in order for us to become a Zion people, we have to keep the laws that God has given to us, which part of that is the law of consecration and the united orders. United orders. The scriptures state that it is not given for one man to own that which is above another, wherefore the whole world lieth in sin. And if ye shall be a Zion people, ye must be equal in all things.
when there is a people who will establish Zion. Then that is where I want to be. And people who will say, oh, that that commandment doesn't apply to us at this time. They're believing the lies of the adversary who does not want to see Zion born. Continuing on, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one God. The Apostle John said, then, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So the Father was once a Redeemer. And now the Son is doing the thing which he has seen the Father himself do. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things what himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead, and quickened them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will, or he'll raise up whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment to the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honored the Father. That they honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father. Which thou hast sent him. Uh, I'm having a hard time. I'm almost finished, I think. But I'm really struggling through this for some reason. Uh, but I do want to get it done because I want to go take a nap. <laughs> I, another nap. I It takes me days to recover from this job. Luckily, I have three more days off. So, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that is sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they shall hear, they that shall hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 26. In John chapter 10, it says, I and my Father are one. And that's in verse 30 of John chapter 10. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth, 
and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet ye have not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. John 14, verse 11 through 12. For there are, for there are three that beareth record in heaven. For there are three that beareth record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. The Apostle Paul stated, For there there for the for the uh, though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5-6 through six. For in him, Christ, dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians chapter nine verse or chapter two verse nine. Joseph Smith stated, "All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth that the Son is the Father, and the Father is the Son, but him whom He hath revealed, revealed it." And that's uh, Joseph Smith, Luke chapter 10, verse 23. Well, I think I'm going to have to do a part two to this because I just went on to find out that we've still got a ton of reading to do in this chapter. And I need to take a break because I am falling asleep. So anyway, um, I will post this as one part um i think it's episode 672 i'm not sure though i can't remember anyway the next one will be uh, i'll i'll continue on with the next one and hopefully it won't be uh two hours and 20 minutes long so this is a big chapter and i don't know why he includes all of these chapters uh all of these these quotes in the specific chapter, because I don't think it actually, uh, it's good scripture, but um, I don't think it actually shows what he thinks it's trying to show. So, But like I said, when I read something, I read it all. I don't skip anything, even if I don't agree with it or understand what the author's conclusions are or why he's including certain things. 
but in order for me to do justice to this reading, uh, I need to make a part two. So thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.